What you don't own, he'd said, they can't easily take away from you. Andy parked alongside the farmhouse. He got out of the car and lit a cigarette, lagging behind to smoke it while Mick and I climbed a few steps to the back porch. There was a light on in the kitchen, and Mr. O'Gara was waiting for us at the round oak table. Mick had phoned earlier to warn O'Gara that we were coming. You said not to wait up, he said now, but I wanted to make sure you had everything you need. I made a fresh pot of coffee. Good man. All's well here. Last week's rain did us no harm. The apples should be good this year, and the pears even better. The summer's heat was no harm then. None as wasn't mended, O'Gara said, thanks be to God. She's sleeping, and I'll turn in now myself, if that's all right. But you've only to shout for me if you need anything. We're fine, Mick assured him. We'll be out back, and we'll try not to disturb you. Sure, we're sound sleepers, O'Gara said. You'd wake the dead before you'd wake us. O'Gara took his cup of coffee upstairs with him. Mick filled a thermos with coffee, capped it, then found a bottle of Jameson in the cupboard and topped up the silver flask he'd been nipping from all night. He returned it to his hip pocket, got two six-packs of O'Keefe's extra-old-stock ale from the refrigerator, gave them to Andy and grabbed up the thermos jar and a coffee mug. We got back into the Cadillac and headed farther up the drive past the fenced chicken yard, past the hog pen, past the barns, and into the old orchard. Andy parked the car, and Mick told us to wait while he walked back to what looked like an old-fashioned outhouse straight out of Little Abner, but was evidently a tool shed. He came back, carrying a shovel. He picked a spot and took the first turn, sinking the shovel into the earth adding his weight to bury the blade to the hilt. Last week's rain had done no harm. He bent, lifted, tossed a shovelful of earth aside. I uncapped the thermos and poured myself some coffee. Andy lit a cigarette and cracked a can of ale. Mick went on digging. We took turns, Mick and Andy and I, opening a deep oblong hole in the earth alongside the pear and apple orchard. There were a few cherry trees as well, Mick said, but they were sour cherries, good only for pies, and it was easier to let the birds have them than go to the trouble of picking them, taking into account that the birds would get most of them, whatever you did. I'd been wearing a light windbreaker and Andy a leather jacket, but we'd shuck them as we took our turns with the shovel. Mick hadn't been wearing anything over his sport shirt, Cold didn't seem to bother him much, or heat either. During Andy's second turn, Mick followed a sip of whiskey with a long drink of ale and sighed deeply. I should get out here more, he said. You'd need more than moonlight to see the full beauty of it, but you can feel the peace of it, can't you? Yes. He sniffed the wind. You can smell it, too. Hogs and chickens. 
a rank stench when you're close to it, but at this distance, it's not so bad, is it? It's not bad at all. It makes a change from automobile exhaust and cigarette smoke and all the stinks you meet with in a city. Still, I might mind this more if I smelled it every day. But if I smelled it every day, I suppose I'd cease to notice it. And they say that's how it works. Otherwise, people couldn't live in towns with paper mills. Jesus, that's the worst smell in the world, paper mill. It's pretty bad. They say a tannery's even worse. It must be all in the process, he said, because the end product's spared. Leather has a pleasant smell to it, and paper's got no smell at all. And there's no smell kinder to the senses than bacon frying in a pan.